0: Hello, hello. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining me. This is Rachel Amaday, and I am coming to you today from the Spiritual Exercises podcast. This is where we challenge our understanding of scripture. We ask hard questions. We talk about both cultural issues as well as biblical issues. And we try to see everything through a biblical lens. What is God trying to teach us? What is God actually doing? What does the Bible actually say? And how can we apply that to our lives? And it is exercise, guys, because usually you're being challenged by ideas um, and it feels difficult to be challenged. It, It feels difficult to have the status quo kind of thrown back in your face when it comes to mainstream Christianity and some of the doctrines we've believed. And today I am talking about something that has to be at the foundation of everything I'm even doing, because I come across this problem often. And the problem is this, there are men out there who believe that women should not be teaching men anything biblical and i have come across these folks both in mainstream christianity and in messianic and hebraic discussions and i'm always shocked at this um it is it could be taken offensively. But I try to not do that. I try instead to tell people they have not done enough research. Um, And I don't want to do the research for them, honestly. However, I've decided it's finally time. Let's address some of the scriptures that these men, it's always men, and I've never really had a woman say this. I know women. there are women out there that believe this, but it's usually not the women that are coming after other women, telling them they're not allowed to teach anything because clearly white scripture allows women to teach women and allows women to teach children, some of who will grow up to be men. So we have some interesting problems here to address, but it's usually men. And so I wanna take on this issue head on. I've learned a lot of things over the years that have kind of, help me come to understand what, because most of the verses that people bring up in regards to this come from the letters of Paul. And so once again, we have Marcionism wreaking havoc, raising its ugly head that somehow Paul made up new doctrines for believers and that Paul was giving us something new that was a new command or a new law. And I just have to say, guys, Paul himself would be horrified by that sort of a teaching. If you are going to the letters from Paul and making up new doctrine that cannot be found in the rest of scripture and isn't backed by the rest of scripture, you are not approaching Paul correctly. Someone taught me this phrase a long time ago, and it's absolutely accurate. The Bible is written for us, but a lot of the Bible is not written to us. Paul is writing, Paul was writing at the time to specific churches in specific cultural uh, crises. They were having pagans come into a Judaic root totally different systems of servanthood towards different gods. Coming in to this Judeo-New Christian root that does things very differently, that has very different laws, very different culture, and Paul is trying to straighten out division between orthodox jews i would call them orthodox but they were you know the bible calls them the um the circumcision party um these these jews who are demanding you know that circumcision is a route to salvation so he's got those guys on the one side and then he's got the people coming in from pagan culture on the other side and he's trying to write the course and get the doctrine Correct. And Paul is brilliant at doing this. And the more that you dig into Paul, the more that you see he absolutely upholds every single law of God. He never teaches against them. And he himself would have been baffled by the idea that somehow he was making up a new religion. We do not have a new religion with Paul. Paul is just straightening out the poor doctrines of the day. And so we have to understand that when we approach his letters he is not making new commands he doesn't have the authority to he would know this according to deuteronomy you are not to add to nor take away from the word of god the word of god being written at that time are the first five books of the bible they're what moses wrote i mean honestly the first five books of the bible should be in red because you want to know what god what jesus actually said out of his mouth not only to some of the the entire congregation at mount sinai but to moses to write down genesis through deuteronomy are direct words from the mouth of god those are his words and you're not to add to nor take away from them. Those are God's laws. Those are his standards. Any new or additional teaching, new or additional law that is added to that, that's not, you know, Paul is expounding on what the meaning of those things are. He is not adding to them. We do not find a prohibition in scripture of female teachers. And in fact, we see Female leadership chosen by God in a very theocratic culture. Deborah is the first judge chosen. You know, when the nation is kind of demanding a human leader and to get out of this, you know, God centered, um, priest centered leadership, God chooses a woman. This is so, I feel like God did this on purpose. He's begging people throughout all of human history to see that he made male and female in his image, he made them. He made them equal. Yes, they are different. Yes, they possess different natural characteristics, but that God does not demean women in any way, shape, or form. His first choice as a leader for his called out people was a woman. So we have to get Paul right. So let's address some of the more popular scriptures where people are taking Paul and using it to bash women in leadership in the church. And by the way, I, I will say this. I I have sympathy about where we're at with female leadership. I think there's been a lot of female leadership out there that has been used for ill. There's a lot of female leaders who are out there to be pro modern feminists, you know. And mo- the modern feminist movement, I-, I believe, is wrong. It's just it's just completely headed in the wrong direction. It's not focused on anything about true equality. It's focused on everything about destroying family and destroying women. And so we've got a lot of modern feminists out there. We've got a pe- a lot of people who are in the pulpit because they want to promote gender confusion, and um sexual identity confusion. And instead of being the types of leaders that are going to lead people into a deeper understanding of scripture, they are political leaders, not spiritual leaders. And so I empathize with those of you who are fearful of women in leadership in the church. But here's the thing. In the United States of America, there hasn't been, there isn't, and there never will be the official tabernacle that only exists, that temple only exists, it will exist in Jerusalem, in Israel, and the Levitical priesthood is a specific group of individuals. Um, And it is obviously in the Old Testament we see men are the leaders in the Levitical priesthood. We see lots of women prophets. We see lots of females who served in the temple. We see Anna, I believe, who was a prophet to the people of Israel and served in the temple. But the high priests traditionally in scripture were men, but that was for the temple. And that's the Levitical priesthood. That's not what we have now. That's not what we're doing now. And this is why you see lots of female teachers in the New Testament who are, helping Paul. They're coming alongside Paul. This is why there are females who support and fund Yeshua and the disciples' ministry, um, because female leadership is absolutely welcomed and female teaching is absolutely welcomed. So let's address a few of the specific verses that are causing this division among the people of God. 1 Timothy 2 12 through 15 is what comes up the most. And I have looked at arguments on both sides and I have to say, I am very uh, unconvinced by the arguments I see on the side of a traditional view of these verses. Um, there's a, a couple folks out there that have described the fact that this verse, um, it starts, but I do not allow woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Um, that The concept here is actually that He was not allowing women to usurp authority over men, which is very different. You know, if a man has authority in the church and a pagan woman is coming into the faith, which would have been happening in the locations Paul was writing to, and probably isn't educated in the faith and is in there trying to usurp authority, which would have been part of the culture at the time, that shouldn't be allowed right? That makes a lot of sense. And so that particular description there is very sensible. And some of the arguments against it, I don't think are strong. They're not strong enough, in my opinion. Um, I also think the idea that these this verse is contemporary, it's not saying I do not ever allow a woman to teach. What he actually says is, I am not allowing a woman to teach right now or exercise authority over a man. Again, you have to think about who is he writing to? What's happening at the culture at the time? The next part of the verse, verse 13 says, for it was Adam who was first created and then Eve, It goes on to say, and it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. And but women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. Now, I was looking for a guy who, you know, somebody out there who would codify all my ideas. And I came upon this guy who had written a lot of what I've learned over the years about these verses. And so I'm just going to read a little bit to you from evidenceunseen.com. um. He says, first, Gnosticism plagued the church in Ephesus. Gnosticism was a big uh, ideology, a big religious perspective of the day at this time. And so these doctrines are kind of, they're way off base and they are far from what scripture teaches. And so they were riddled, the churches were being riddled with false teachings because people were coming to Christ, but then they were bringing in their ideas of what it means to worship a God or their ideas of the spiritual realm. And they were way off base base. And so um, Paul refers to these teachings as fruitless discussions in 1 Timothy 1.6. When you read Gnostic literature, it's complete nonsense. This was intentional on their behalf because only those with, in quotation, special knowledge, were supposedly able to understand it. This is where, um, oh, I can't remember his name. Vadi Bakum gets his idea that critical race theory and what's going on today in our culture is the new Gnosticism. It's the concept that only the special people with the special knowledge really understand the special things. And everybody else, um, especially particular races, they're outside of that special knowledge, so they can't understand. And so they're they're less than. Um, This is Gnosticism. This is exactly what they were teaching at this time, just kind of in a different way. This was intentional on their behalf, again, because of the special knowledge concept. Kroger and Kroger explain Gnostic writings do indeed contain material which appears pure nonsense. Sometimes there are long strings of repetitious nonsense syllables. Sometimes there are riddles and paradoxes, and yet they conveyed significance to the initiate. Okay, Paul's like, stop teaching the nonsense. Don't bring it into church here. Okay, so Gnosticism was a huge problem of the day. Um, Secondly, women spread particular false teachings in Ephesus. While this passage above referred to false teachers who are men, this should be a case of gender neutral language in the same way God desires all men to be saved. Of course, these passages apply to both men and women. And guys, this is just a a language barrier issue we have. A lot of times in the Hebrew, words are female or male. They have uh, gender assignments and the English interpreters decided to take male gender assignments when they, when they pleased. Um, and so a lot of the time there are things that apply, and we'll get into this later, that should be seen as feminine that we still see as masculine just because of the language barrier there, okay? So the idea of children of God in scripture, um, sons of God often should be actually children of God because children in Hebrew is um, male, and so they say sons of God, it doesn't mean it excludes the female, right? Okay, so we, we understand this. We understand that there's just some language stuff going on here. In addition to gender neutral language, Paul specifically mentions women who were proliferating false teaching in Ephesus. Paul writes that they go around from house to house and not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies talking about things not proper to mention. Some have already turned aside to follow Satan. This is in 1 Timothy five thirteen and 15. There's language here, guys, that suggests this particular location was having just a lot of problems with false teachings in the church. And again, Paul's job is to write and correct what's going on, which may have meant that at the time, women needed to be prohibited from teaching. That's not a hard and fast law. That's not in the Torah. That's not anywhere else in scripture. This is a time, a cultural and time-related perspective to what is happening at this location, at this time, at this part of history. Alternate interpretations of of 1 Timothy 2.12, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority. Again, Paul normally tells Timothy um, in quotations, we know or reminds himself of faithful sayings, but this passage appears to be a novel teaching for Timothy. Keener observes, had this rule been established and universal, Is it possible that Timothy, who had worked many years with Paul, would not have known it already? This is a great question. Why does Paul have to tell Timothy this? Timothy was well-versed in Scripture, and he understood rules. Why does Paul have to say, I don't allow women to teach? It's because it's new. It's a new idea for Timothy. that This hasn't had to take place before. It is not well-understood knowledge. In the original Greek phrase, the I do not allow should be translated, I am not allowing because it is the in the present indicative verb. Okay, so again, it's current, it's in that moment. Um, let's go on to verse 13, for it was Adam who was first created and then Eve. When we read this verse, we might ask ourselves a question, why is the order of creation important to the subject of women teaching? If creation order was this important, then why are women still allowed to prophesy? In 1 Corinthians 11:5, 5, women are prophesying. A prophet is able to tell all the people of God something from the Lord. That is teaching, right? That's an important gift and it is bestowed upon women in the New Testament. So Paul must be bringing up the creation order because this was a common Gnostic teaching problem. There was a heresy that was being promulgated by female false teachers in Ephesus. Kroger and Kroger write, most Gnostic accounts show Eve as pre-existing Adam. In one account, she's actually the hermaphrodite from whom Adam is drawn. So Paul is, again, setting the record straight. He is talking against the Gnostic teachings of the day. Verse 14, and it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Again, guys, I think we're going to come across Gnostic teachings. Um... If women are biologically prone to being deceived, there would be a lot more discussion of this throughout scripture, right? Moreover, there's no evidence to support that women are worse in interpreting scripture. There just, there isn't then, there's no evidence then, there's no evidence today. (laughs) That's accurate. There's actually a woman, a female, male, husband and wife couple who teach a man of God in the New Testament together because he was getting a few things wrong and they right his wrongs. Okay, so there's no evidence that women don't know how to interpret scripture or that they're more easily deceived. Plenty of men are deceived just like women. Um, elsewhere, Paul ascribes the guilt of the situation to Adam, Romans 5, 12 through 19 and 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 22. Um, it's used for both, in 1 Timothy 2.14 is, the, the, ver, the word transgression is parabasis. It is used for both Adam and Eve. Moreover, the Genesis account itself states that Eve gave the fruit to her husband with her and he ate. In other words, Adam was standing with Eve and they were both deceived at the same time, <laughs> okay? Um, so again, I think what's happening here is Paul is writing some wrong teachings that are coming out of Gnosticism. Okay, verse 15, but women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. This verse seems equally bizarre. However, there are uh, other interpretations possible. First, Paul might be commenting on the prophecy of Genesis 3.15. In the original Greek, women is not there. This is inferred from the context if they continue. Moreover, the word childbearing is preceded by the article. For this reason, some translators render this verse, the bearing of the child. Under this rendering, Paul is showing that sin came through Eve, but the savior also came through Eve. This would be consistent with Paul's exposition of Genesis 3. Second, Paul might be saying that women will be saved from the curse. This would fit with the context as well, where Eve is cursed for childbirth, but she's also saved from the curse through godliness. Kena writes, it may be thus that Paul's promise that the women will be brought safely through childbirth is seen as a relief from part of the curse, from which believers will be completely free until they share fully in the resurrection. Third, Paul might still be fighting the Gnostic thoughts in this passage. Gnostic teachers consider childbearing as sinful. Okay, think about this, guys. The Gnostics believed childbearing is sinful in today's culture we literally have feminists out there basically hating on mothers and childbearing all the time and advocating for every right even up until the day that a child is born for mothers to kill their own children because children are a nuisance and they get in the way and what about equality and what about working and what about making money what about you know serving some company instead of serving your family you know the analogies continue um we have the same problem today. Moms are being hated on left and right in culture, and they're not seen as valuable. And God thinks the opposite. God believes that being a mother and having children are magnificent. Having a family is magnificent. A great family is a picture of his creation and his wholeness. And so you have to think that, um, yes, through Eve, sin came, but through Eve, Yeshua came, Mary was chosen specifically for that task. She was called for that specific task that women play an equal role in the beauty and the wholeness of creation. And that having children is such a magnificent, wonderful job, as hard as it is, it was granted to women because women were created for that difficult task and that wonderful task. Um, And I, I think that to me, that just makes a lot of sense. Paul's just taking on the culture at the time. That's really the verse that comes up the most. There's some other ones about, you know, women being quiet and that sort of thing. Again, Paul is dealing with Cultural problems of the day, false teachers, false female teachers. I want to go to another teacher of mine who I've, i know I've brought up to you all in the past and you should really look her up and I love that it's a female. Her name is Diana Dye and she has some really important concepts as well to go along with this, the true understanding of female equality in the Bible. Number one, Proverbs 14.1 says a wise woman builds her house. In Ruth 4.11, we see that the, the, some of the founders of the faith, you know Rebecca, Leah, Rachel, they're, they're, it, Ruth tells us that they are women that built the house of Israel. Women are builders. This is a phenomenal point, right? That women build the house. It's actually part of a woman's job to build her house. This puts her on complete equal footing with her male counterpart in the home. And it's biblical, it's scriptural. Wisdom builds her house, right? Okay. Um, And we see in scripture that the Holy Spirit and wisdom are oftentimes kind of described in the same way. And they're described as feminine. They're feminine attributes of God. You know, a lot of times we we have, (laughs) there have been times in history where, culture did not want to recognize that God was both masculine and feminine. I think we're beyond that now because it's clear God made both male and female out of himself right god is both masculine and feminine we just have limited terminology we can't describe this god he's indescribable so he's a he because we have a father in heaven right And we know yeshua came as a man for obvious cultural reasons makes a lot of sense both psychologically and culturally that yeshua came as a man but there's an aspect of god that's feminine and i believe that's the holy spirit and i believe scripture bears that out um also, another great point from Diana Di Eve came from Adam's side. She didn't come from beneath him. She didn't come from above him. She came from right next to him. The ideal that God created in the garden is that Eve is equal to Adam. They face one another. There's the, this word, these words, Ezer Konegdo, when it says helper in English, it's Ezer Konegdo in Hebrew. And this means someone opposite, someone who's the perfect match, someone who is on par with, but different than Adam. And she's a helper because Ezer Konegdo, when you see that word later in scripture, when it's used as a helper, it's a helper who's saving in nature. It's something that's saving something else. So She is created to save Adam from the bad part of loneliness. She is not beneath him. The ideal is actual equality, not servitude. In the picture of man and woman and God, it seems fairly likely that the Holy Spirit again is female, God, the father male, and they're unified in Yeshua. The Holy Spirit is the feminine expression of God. I do think it's interesting those who wish to silence women are often also those who believe in shushing the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the church and denying their power. Overly masculine congregations are overly focused on physical realm realities and absolutely underplay prayer and the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. This is a, a, it's a worldview problem that we're dealing with often. Side by side is how Adam and Eve were created and side by side is how the church should continue to build. It cannot be built in a healthy way in any other fashion. Women are natural teachers and often contain the communicative skills to woo people into deeper understanding or different understanding of the Bible. The founders of the faith seem to have respected women far more than many churches do today. I mean, in Jewish culture and in ancient Judaic culture, they had founders who were both male and female. They understood Rebecca, Leah, Rachel, Sarah. These were the feminine founders of the faith. We don't talk about it that way in Christianity. And I think there's a little bit of Uh, old English patriarchy and King James in there (laughs) who kind of took away from that understanding and the hatred of Jewishness altogether that happened uh, around the time of Constantine took away from some of these understandings. But listen, they are seen, those females are seen as founders of the faith alongside um, the great men, you know, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, who are founders of the faith. This does not mean, again, that unwise women or women who are living in sin should be leaders. Um, Women have to be seen the same way as men. Righteousness is called for in our leadership. But there's too much of the Bible that teaches against the idea that women can't teach men. There's too much biblical history. And so what I think has happened is we've just taken the context of Paul and what's happening at the time of Paul, and we have... had it misinterpreted over time for the benefit, again, of of King James version, you know, uh, of the Bible. You know, we have men in leadership, and men get to do things, and men get to choose things, and the women are secondary. But that's not how Scripture treats women, and I think it's really important, actually, that we fix this culturally. Because I think one of the reasons the church had has lost in kind of the feminism discussion is because of these historical teachings, because of those men who come out of the woodwork to yell at me about not teaching men um, online, usually. (laughs) You know, because of churches who look down upon female teachers, not only have we lost some wonderful perspective over the years, but we're losing culturally because we've not treated females with the dignity and respect they deserve. And I think if we lauded mothers and just lauded family and found so much beauty in the role of the female in the church and in the family and in building a house and in bringing righteousness and wisdom to the table, I think that it would be way more attractive to these young women out there who are kind of get, getting bombarded by really a perverted idea of what being female means in the culture. And so we've got to fix this again. I I will never be a Levitical priest. I will never be a rabbi, you know, like I'm not, I don't see um, that in scripture. I don't see that culturally, but as a female, I have every right to share the wonderful things that I've learned from both males and females. And if you find a great female teacher, man, it's a treasure. Again, Dinah Dye is a great person to go look up because the perspective is unique and different and special. And oftentimes you get a totally new view. And aren't we always looking for that? We're looking for the deeper, deeper things of scripture that we can learn from both men and women, um, which is a, a wonderful opportunity for all of us to actually embrace. I wanted to teach a little bit on that today. Thank you all for sitting through it. I know a lot of you already know this, but there might be those of you out there looking for better arguments against you know, this concept that women can't teach. And you need just a little more scriptural foundation underneath you. I hope this was helpful. Um, and if you guys want another teaching on this with just more information, happy to do it in the future. All right, I will be back next week. Thanks, y'all.